interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, Tom Fox and Matt Kelly take a look at the recent announcement by the acting head of the Securities and Exchange Commission, Allison Heron Lee, that the commission will start paying more attention to corporations' climate change disclosures. We review the 2010 climate guidance. We talk about what happens next and what frameworks the SEC may utilize as a basis to make changes to climate disclosure laws. What does all this mean for the compliance professional and corporate compliance programs? Find out in this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back in with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take up a recent announcement by uh, SEC Acting Commissioner Allison Lee Heron. Uh, about the uh, climate change disclosures and how the SEC is going to start taking a look at those, a, as we would say, a closer gander at those uh, that companies uh, proffer in their K's and Q's. Matt, you want to uh, tell us a little bit about the background to this change? Uh, yeah, sure. So this was uh, interesting news that Allison Heron Lee dropped to us all last week. Uh, it was just a short statement where uh, basically she said that she had directed SEC staff to start paying close attention to the climate change disclosures that companies are supposed to be making in their uh, corporate financial statements. And uh, this is according to 2010 guidance on climate change disclosures that the SEC had adopted way back then. Um, To the best of my knowledge, we have Never seen an enforcement action related to climate change disclosures. We have never seen any comment letters or anything like that. We have never seen anything from the SEC about climate change disclosures uh, up until uh, Acting Chairman Lee put this out, where she specifically said that the staff would be reviewing the extent to which companies address the topics identified in the 2010 guidance to assess compliance with their disclosure obligations. Um, And then later on, she went on to say, The staff will use insights from this work to begin updating the 2010 guidance to take into account developments in the last decade. So that is a pretty clear signal to me that the SEC is looking at the very least to update that 2010 guidance. Uh, We can talk about what that guidance says and what you're supposed to be doing. But, um, you know, there is much discussion and much expectation that the SEC will be adopting enhanced disclosure requirements. Uh, Tom, that actually came up today uh, in Washington. The Senate Banking Committee had a nomination hearing for the nominee to run the SEC permanently, Gary Gensler. They talked about this. Acting Chairman Lee is moving ahead on this. Uh, There's some other stuff that's happening here. So it's a lot of action that, um, yeah, this is going to be a real deal for the SEC now. I probably should have announced that Matt uh, blogged about this in a blog post entitled SEC Warning Shot on Climate Disclosure. 
And um, we're going to link to that in the show notes. But one of the things you pointed out in your blog post, Matt, was the 2010 climate guidance and uh, what it required. I was wondering if you might uh, maybe review that and comment on on whether you think uh, it's really time for an update or an upgrade and uh, what new or different the SEC might ask for. Sure. So it doesn't require all that much there. We've said that. Uh, It is a 29-page document from 2010 that says companies should consider how issues related to climate change might affect the disclosures they make to investors in financial statements. Uh, If you can come up with a more vague and mealy-mouthed disclosure directive, please let me know because this one really, I think, takes the cake. Um, The 2010 guidance did actually flag four examples of things you should think about as you're pondering your climate change disclosures. So the impact of legislation or regulation, such as around greenhouse gas emissions, um, the impact of international accords, perhaps like the the, uh, Paris Climate Accords of 2016. And I know that happened after the 2010 guidance we're talking about, but that guidance had very clearly been thinking about things like the Paris Accords, which we are now back into. Um, The indirect consequences of regulation or business trends, such as the move away from like plastic supermarket bags or the move toward everybody trying to drive a Tesla. Um, And then the physical impacts of climate change, such as uh, hurricanes disrupting your supply chain or cold snaps plunging your entire state into darkness and no heat for months on end or weeks on end, Um, climate change like wildfires, everything else like that. So there's a lot there that you might think about, but the SEC guidance didn't actually say how much you need to think about it. They didn't give any bright line tests for what you should disclose. This is all very principles-based you, the company, you get to decide what is a material item that you think your investors should know, and then you get to decide what you're going to put in that disclosure. And we've never actually seen any other follow-up. Um, I don't think there's ever been any studies or SEC staff reports or enforcement actions or anything like that. They put out the guidance in 2010, and then after that, it just kind of ran out of steam. Matt, uh, I think our listeners know that I'm in the great state of Texas and we had uh, a weather event for the ages a couple of weeks ago. Is that the type of thing that a company could talk about or should talk about, uh, particularly in the energy industry or any other business, agribusiness? Or is it really a company by company analysis, say a tech company in Silicon Valley might have a different approach? Well, see, that's the problem here, Tom, is the short answer is nobody really knows. Um, the SEC, in its original guidance, did not point to a framework that you might use to guide what your disclosures should be. Uh, such climate change disclosure frameworks do exist, uh, and they exist for different types of industries. Um, but it would be a good question. Like, let's say you are a technology company with a very small physical footprint and you use electricity. So are you supposed to disclose how much of your electricity comes from solar power versus just gas-powered, uh, gas-fired power plants? Uh, if you're a tech company, do you know or do you just pay your electric utility bill every month? Um, so there's a lot of questions like that. Um, that's where Republicans would open up their line of attack that these sort of disclosures are not necessarily material 
to investors making um, decisions about where to invest their money. Democrats absolutely say this totally is material. Um, if you have very poor planning around climate disruptions, and you maybe you know maybe you should just say that, and maybe investors would decide what else they're going to uh, where else they might put their money. So the problem with that original guidance is just that it is so non-specific, um, and also because the guidance around what would you disclose was so immature back then. We did not have those climate change frameworks I just mentioned a moment ago. We didn't have those 10 or 11 years ago to any extent that we do today. Um, there was still a lot of, I, I guess I would say, social uncertainty about what's really going to happen with climate change. Yes, the temperatures were warming, but were we going to see huge climactic disasters? Well, now, yes, we are. We've seen them. We see them now, today. Um, you know, we had less understanding about international agreements like the Paris Accords, which didn't come along until six years after this guidance. So there's a whole lot more there there today than there was in 2010. Um, it's interesting then to speculate about what the SEC might do after it has studied these disclosures and what will the SEC maybe try to mandate for more disclosure either later this year or I suspect early next year. Um, but like uh, for a whole lot of it, you know, nobody's really known exactly what to say. Matt, are there any frameworks that either the SEC might look at or more importantly, uh, compliance officers or ESG type practitioners to help them think through an approach to uh, some of these disclosures? Well, this is the big interesting question, I think, because if you use the analogy of internal control over financial reporting, when the SEC had to adopt a um, when it, the SEC had to implement the Sarbanes-Oxley Act in the early 2000s, and in their implementing rules, they said a company should use a framework to guide its internal control over financial reporting, kind of sort of like this COSO framework for internal controls. That's a good example. That's all the SEC said was it pointed to the COSO framework for internal control as an example. Never actually said thou shalt use COSO, but it was one of the only frameworks around at the time, so a whole lot of people just started using COSO, and now everybody uses COSO for ICFR disclosures. Will something similar happen with the SEC and climate change disclosures? That's the question. There are frameworks now that exist. Uh, most notably, there is the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, uh, which incidentally, it merged not long ago with the, uh, in, what was the exact name of it? I have it here. The um, International Integrated Reporting Council, SASB and the IIRC, they merged in December in what many people are interpreting as uh, sort of an effort to adopt the the great big framework that we could all point to. Say, oh, yeah, sure, you can use that. That's reliable. That's accepted. SASB's frameworks are comprehensive. They are more by industry. I think it's at least a dozen industries now where they have sustainability frameworks that you could use. They address climate change. They address other environmental issues. They address um, other social justice uh, concerns. They really, their sustainability frameworks go across the whole ESG spectrum. So could the SEC point to that? Well, they could with a new rule. Um, will they? I have no idea. Um, might they point to a series of frameworks, uh, potentially, 
There's another framework that's popular in the banking circles about climate change disclosures. I think it's the task force for climate change disclosures related to finance. They have a terrible acronym, but there's a one that specifically looks at financial disclosures related to climate change for the banking industry, where the banking regulators are also separately thinking about these exact same issues. Um, so there's a lot that's going on here. And the big question for compliance officers will be, if the SEC mandates more disclosure, and they point to a framework or a group of frameworks that I could choose from, how do I then take that framework, implement it into my business processes, gather up the necessary data around climate change that I'm supposed to disclose? How do I put it into the 10K or the 10Q? Who's actually in charge of it? Is that me, the compliance officer? Is it the head of environmental health and safety? Is it the corporate secretary who's supposed to be the one filing the 10K and the 10Qs? Is it somebody else? Are we going to get a climate change committee here? Um, we don't yet know what all of that might look like. We don't know how these disclosures might overlap with any sustainability reports you already publish more just to show you're a good corporate citizen. Um, or that you might publish because you are somehow subject to publishing them according to the European Union and its rules for sustainability. You quickly see how this gets to be a very complicated thing where we've got a lot of quasi-required but really voluntary disclosures around sustainability that suddenly might become much more formalized, much more structured, and much more real that you'll have to pay attention to and – that's the question that I'm eager to see how that unfolds over the next probably 18 to 24 months. Matt, would it be a fair assessment to take this information and an announcement from uh, the acting chair and the information that she's given us so far in the public arena and speculate that the SEC may want to look at other ESG type issues in uh, corporate securities filings? Uh, I think that ultimately they will. Uh, let's not forget that last summer, the SEC did adopt enhanced capital, uh, human capital disclosure requirements uh, around things like diversity and the importance of talent and uh, other cr critical factors that you want to disclose to investors. But much like that 2010 guidance from long ago, this was principles-based stuff around human capital. The company gets to decide what it's material that it's going to disclose. It doesn't actually say that you need to really disclose all that much about your diversity or your talent pool or what your human capital risks are. The SEC just said, think about what those risks are and then disclose to people what the risks are and why they're important. And that's it. Now, that was a what I would call a very Republican approach to uh, in. SEC disclosure rules. Now we're going to see a much more Democrat style approach where I think there's going to be more force there. Um, climate change is the easier one to get at because there's a lot that you can measure with climate change disclosures. You can measure your greenhouse gases. You can measure the amount of water that you use in your manufacturing or the amount of recycled products that go into it or anything else like that. Uh, there's a lot more ambiguity around quantifiable metrics for the S and the G in the ESG. And Tom, since you brought it up, um, actually, these questions around broader ESG disclosures did come up today in Gary Gensler's uh, SEC confirmation hearing, where again, 
Republicans were zeroing right in on the idea that would the SEC adopt a rule requiring diversity on corporate boards. Um, They picked up on the idea that the NASDAQ stock exchange is already proposing a rule like that, mandating um, a comply or explain approach to please put diverse candidates on your board or tell us why you're not. And the Republicans are not comfortable with that idea. And they brought up to Gary Gensler, how do you think about disclosure obligations like that or an SEC rule like that? And, of course, he's a nominee, so he hedged and he hawed and all of that. But you can see where uh, all of these ESG issues, they're all different uh, components of a larger picture that's being painted um, that I think we're going to see a lot more required disclosure sometime soon. I don't know when. I think what will happen, let's pick up on the climate change idea again. I think you'll see some sort of interim SEC staff report. You'll see some sort of SEC rule proposal. There'll be comments about it. And then will the SEC adopt it on some 3-2 partisan split where the Democrats shove it down the Republicans' throat? Probably. That's what I think is going to happen. I might be wrong. Um, but that's the sort of thing that we'll see. I think it's going to be with climate change first and then maybe broader ESG disclosures later. But I'm hard-pressed to see a scenario where a Democratic administration and a Democratic-controlled SEC does not address these issues, which clearly do matter to a lot of investors. Well, I'm fairly certain that radical compliance will be following this issue, and perhaps uh, six months, 12 months or even uh, two years down the road, we might be able to revisit and see what some of the disclosures might tell us. I will be here for that, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I hope you will join Matt and I each Monday at 3 p.m. Central, where we live stream Compliance Into the Weeds. And you can pitch questions to us and be part of the engagement and commentary. If you have any questions for Matt, you can reach him at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. If you have questions for me, you can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you will uh, join us again for an audio podcast or the live stream once again at 3 p.m. Central Time each Monday. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.